You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rain Roberts. This is Echo and Narcissus, Chapter 7, in which Inga keeps a cool head. Someone has to, Kurt. Kurt found Inga behind the artist's tents, removing her makeup at a borrowed mirror in the open air. Done for the night? he asked. We are guests here, she said. Can't take all the attention off the regulars. She turned then and saw him properly. Her usually icy gaze softened a little. Nice suit. Why do you look like you're about to go on a murder spree? He glanced around. There was no such thing as true privacy in a place like this, but there was no one close enough to hear if they spoke very quietly. I think Brennan stole the baby dragons for his old boss. Her face remained calm. Calmer than he'd seen it in a very long time. I think you need to spend time with friends. Inga! His sister rose smoothly to her feet and tucked her arm in his. Take a walk with me. They wound around the side of the field containing the sideshows and amusements kept walking until they were at the campsite. Most of the caravans and trucks were unfamiliar. His lot hadn't moved their whole production up here, not yet. But there were the dragons, penned in the open, with the makeshift metal fence erected around them. And there was Finn, in her baggiest, most wrecked overalls, feeding raw fish to Big Blue from her fingers. He hadn't realised how much he needed to see her in one piece after that, Sea monster stunt. You weren't eaten, then. Finn turned and gave him the most eye-rolly of teenage expressions. You've been gone all day, Frostad. Clearly you've forgotten how circuses work. She wasn't alone. She was joined in the pen by a smaller girl with bright white face paint, decorated with silver scales that made her look somewhat piskeen bright pink hair in two bunches. Kurt had seen her before, he realised, without makeup. This was the girl Finn was with this morning. The girl who invited her to a party. And because he did, after all, remember how circuses worked, he said, Are you Elodie? The fish-faced girl gave him a startled look. Told you, said Finn with a smirk. Don't worry about him, he's one of us. Am I? said Kurt. Clearly he'd missed a lot over the last few hours. You're Grayson's granddaughter, he said to the girl. I'm not going back, Elodie said instantly, eyes wide with panic. She's running away with the circus, Finn insisted. Not our circus, their circus. The Salt Circus has another week before they ship out of town, and E's going with them. You won't make it a week, said Kurt to the girl. Grayson's men have been looking for you. He didn't question why Elodie wanted to run away. She looked older than Finn, makeup or no makeup, old enough to know her own mind. On the whole, he could recommend running away with the circus as a lifestyle choice, even today. Haven't found me yet, have they? Elodie said. A week's a long time. You're going to need to do more than slap on a new face with Brennan hunting you. Brennan, Finn said sharply. 
Why would the gaffer be hunting her? Her face changed as she took took in Kurt's expression. He took the babies. Oh my God, is he a bad guy now? Are you sure it was him? Kurt asked helplessly, still wanting it not to be true. But Brennan hadn't given him a reason to think otherwise, had he? The timing was difficult given how much of it they'd spent flirting in hotel rooms, but not impossible, especially if making Kurt look like an idiot had been part of the plan all along. Really sure, Finn? I didn't doubt it for a minute. She looked doubtful now, running it over in her head. Of course she couldn't believe it. He didn't want to either. Kurt glanced at Inga, hoping for some confirmation for the person whose instincts he trusted most in the world. She shook her head. I was nearby. He spoke to me briefly. Nothing out of place. Nothing to make me think it was not him. I don't know him as well as you or the children. It was him, Finn insisted. I'd spot an imposter. You know I would. He knew. Not long ago, Kurt's old colleague, the Naga, had walked into the circus pretending to be Inga. Finn and Puck spotted her as fake instantly, and they'd only known Inga for a very short time. They'd known Brennan for years. It had to be him who walked into the camp and signed the baby dragons into Grayson's custody. He'd betrayed them all. And when given the chance to stick around and explain things to Kurt, he had done a runner. Talk to Riff, Kurt ordered Inga. We need out, quickly and quietly. We need to be back on the road by dawn, all of us. That plan at least still worked, even if Brennan was, as Finn put it, a bad guy. Magellan and Serenity won't agree to that. They're still at the hospital with the grip. Then Riff has about eight hours to figure out how to steal the whole fucking circus out from under the ringmaster's nose. You, Kurt said to Elodie. If Grayson was going to hide five baby dragons, where do you think he'd take them? She lifted her chin at him. Are you planning to make a trade? Give me back to my grandfather in exchange for your livestock. Finn made a noise of protest. They're not livestock, Kurt grated. And no one's getting traded. Can you answer my question? Elodie hesitated, then nodded. I want to come with you. If you're leaving tomorrow a week ahead of the Salt Circus, that's my ticket out of here. Fine. Then I'll help you. And if my grandfather's men come looking for me, we'll feed them to the dragons, Finn said without hesitation. What's left of them, Kurt agreed. Kurt was starting to hate this suit. He felt like an imposter, like he wasn't part of the circus anymore. But he might need the well-fitted disguise a little longer. The big top performance was all done, which meant the carnival was in full flight, packed with people and noise and lights. He avoided it all, walking around the crowds to head back towards the rail station. At least that was the plan, until he saw her. Another person in elegant tailored stripes who did not belong here. Shell stood in the amusement alley, all perfect hair and bright magenta shirt, under another killer grey suit. Her eyes were fixed to a tank full of swirling sea creature with many tentacles. A squid of some kind, 
though it had far too many tentacles to be real. He counted at least sixteen. Two squids? Conjoined octopus? Hello, Kurt, she said as he approached. She didn't look in his direction, but of course she could see his reflection in the smoky glass. It wasn't a trick if you knew how it was done. Fancy seeing you here. Lost your man? Temporarily misplaced, he said, reminding himself to look unthreatening. That's Mike for you. Never quite where you need him to be. Know anything about this? A piece of cloth fluttered from her fingers, grey with a hound's tooth pattern. He recognised it instantly as Lenny's sleeve. It was torn on one edge and looked like it had been melted with some kind of acid. I know it didn't match his shirt. Who'd pair ocean grey with submarine grey? Only some kind of sociopath. Shell turned slowly and gave him an unblinking gaze. I found it in the sea monster tank. Wait, said Kurt. There really is a sea monster? It's not like an illusion or a puppet or some kind of... There's a tank under the stage in the big top, Shell said patiently, containing the sea monster. And now, apparently, the remains of Lenny and his team. Three men, and there's little left of them but an ankle bone and this. She waved the damaged sleeve at Kurt. Efficient eaters, sea monsters. And you think I had something to do with it? He might have thought of it, honestly, if he'd known there was a genuine sea monster in play. Hell of a way to get rid of a problem. I think your boyfriend did. I'm not stupid, Kurt. I know he was never coming back to us. And I'm well aware, in case you felt like keeping up your pretense, that you're part of this... this circus. If Brennan had taken care of Lenny and the others then maybe, maybe he was on the right side after all. It lightened Kurt's heart to think it. Technically, he drawled, not this circus. I was going to offer him a deal, Shell said furiously. His precious baby dragons in exchange for the girl. Good to know the babies were still available to trade. In his peripheral vision, Kurt could see his people gathering here and there, moving in towards them. Carnies and crew. They might have been given the day off, but they hadn't gone far. There was Inga, likely with a hammer somewhere on her person. Finn and Park. While the crowd of the carnival went about their business, the dragon circus folk were here, watching, creeping a little closer. He saw clowns, too, gathering around them, but there was something odd about their faces. Did they all have the same face? That was new. If you knew Brennan at all, Kurt said scornfully, you'd know he would never accept that deal. Shell smiled sweetly. If you knew Mike like I do, you'd know he took the deal this morning. He took a threatening step at her and she stepped back into the tank. No, that wasn't right. Kurt frowned and shook his head. Shell looked down at herself, her body half-blurred into the squid tank. For a moment, it looked like her bright magenta shirt was made entirely of squid tentacles. And then she laughed and disappeared entirely. Kurt swore. 
Inga was at his side in moments. What's going on? Did you see her? He swung around, addressing all of them. His circus folk. Witnesses. Did you see that woman? Mate, said Puck, drawing out the word. We saw you talking to thin air. You feeling okay? Shit, said Kurt. Had she been lying about Lenny and the others? He had to know. Can one of you give me a straight answer about whether the Salt Circus does or does not have a man-eating sea monster under the stage in the Big Top? He was not going to ask where Inga had got the suit. It was made of sturdy silk, a shade of grey that made her look like she'd lived in the monochrome city of Echo for her entire life. With her new outfit and her sharp blonde bob of hair, she looked like a buyer and seller of companies, an industry mover and shaker. She looked like she had never swung on a trapeze in her life. Kurt hated it, but he appreciated that the two of them at least had not lost their skill of being able to look like they belonged anywhere. They walked into the reception of the Astley Hotel together, Kurt holding a medium suitcase that Inga had somehow produced along with her new suit. Luggage was, as always, the key to looking like you weren't here to do anything criminal. The receptionist smiled brightly when Kurt told her they were here to see Mr Grayson, and she waved them through to the elevator. Top floor, the elevator operator sang out, already reaching for the buttons as the doors closed behind them. Inga's hand reached out and closed around her wrist. No, she said. Kurt leaned in and pressed the basement button. The elevator operator stared at them both, eyes very wide. Underneath her hairstyle and makeup, she didn't look much older than Finn. I'm going to get into trouble, she whispered. Sorry about that, said Kurt, only mildly sorry. The poor girl was likely not paid enough to put up with the shit she might get for this. But on the other hand, she worked for mobsters. She had to know at least half of the score. I suggest you take your break, until we're gone. Down, Elodie had told them. Whatever it was her grandfather was up to, and he had fingers in... So many crimes in this city, it was hard to separate them. The stuff he actually cared about concealing was under the Astley, not performed publicly in the restaurant upstairs. That reminded Kurt about the sea monster under the stage, and how efficiently someone, Brennan, it had to be Brennan, had disposed of Lenny and his goons. Fed to a sea monster on dry land was a hell of a way to go out. Kurt and Inga stepped out into the basement. The elevator vanished back upstairs with a whir of machinery. They'd have to move fast. Chances were that Grayson was having their presence reported to him right now, if not five minutes ago. Inga moved swiftly on her heeled shoes, disappearing among the various crates and packing cases that filled this space. More basements, she called out, and Kurt followed quickly behind her. Do you know what I'm thinking? he asked as he rounded an enormous rack of bellhop uniforms. Inga was kneeling on the cement floor in her smart suit, prizing up the lid of a trapdoor with her fingernails. You're thinking we haven't gone far enough down, she replied. 
and oh look, a very long ladder. Everything was terrible. But this, working together as a team again, Kurt and Inga, the dove and the hammer, this part was actually okay. Kurt had been braced for sewers, but the tunnel that ran underneath the Astley was dry as a bone and looked like it had been there for centuries. It was tiled. Which direction? asked Inga. She pulled a torch out of her suitcase and turned it on. Kurt pointed. That way is towards Narcissus, he said, starting to walk. Also, don't step in that. Here, not far ahead of them, and again further along the tunnel, the occasional very recognisable shape of a slightly charred baby dragon turd. The smell is distinctive, Inga admitted. Why are they always burnt? They don't come out on fire, Kurt informed her, with the weary voice of someone who had found this out the hard way. But dragon shit is more flammable than you might expect, and the babies get overexcited when they relieve themselves, and... Inga gave him a long, hard stare. Remember when the skills we had to absorb for jobs involved fine wines and foreign languages? <laughs> Remember when you gave up the game and became a trapeze artist? Point taken. Quickly and quietly, they headed up the tunnel together. Occasionally, they could hear the train rattling above their heads, suggesting that the tunnel ran directly underneath the tracks and confirming Kurt's theory that they were heading for Narcissus in general and the showground between the cities in particular. I've been thinking about that, remarked Inga. Why is it that circus folk are so completely in love with performing at Narcissus? Finn said the facilities... They're not, Inga interrupted. Believe me, the shower blocks are exactly the same as the ones we had in Candle. Slightly worse, if anything. There's nothing that makes this place special. But when the Salt Circus extended their invitation, our lot were climbing over themselves to say yes. Kurt nodded thoughtfully. Finn must have been really young when they last came here. But she remembered it. If it's not special... Oh, it's special, Inga said firmly. But it's not the camping facilities. It's the audience. There was light up ahead of them. Inga clicked the torch off, and they approached on silent feet. Kurt could smell the dragons, and hear them come to that. That rustling, screechy sound the babies made when they were hungry. The thought of them being hungry made him furious. Bad enough to kidnap the babies, but why the hell would Grayson's men not feed them properly? Carefully, he peered around the corner. Here, the tunnel opened up into a room, lit with phosphorescent bars, running along the upper walls. Several more tunnels branched off from here, and there, in the middle of the floor, the babies. They were chained up, a metal collar around the necks of each of the baby dragons, each chain connected to an empty suit rack on wheels. The babies kept trying to fly, but the chains were too heavy for them to do more than rattle the rack back and forth. There was shit everywhere, some of it smouldering all over the floor and partly up the nearest walls. They'd been here hours, maybe all day. No food, 
no water. Kurt was going to kill someone. I'm going to need a bigger suitcase, said Inga. Don't even joke about that, said Kurt, running over to the rack. He slid a pick out of his sleeve and started poking at the connectors between the chains. The dragons whistled at the sight of him, tumbling over and under each other, coming in for snout scratches. They were weirdly damp and shiny, covered in something that looked like oil. Onyx, Ix, Jade Snow, Heliotrope. Kurt, there's only four of them. I know. He couldn't worry about where Tiny Pearl was, not with the other four here and ready to be rescued. Kurt! He turned his head and saw why Inga was now standing very still. Grayson must have been down here the whole time. He stood at the mouth of one of the other tunnels, looking smug as hell. His jacket gleamed in the odd light. Inga, seeing the old man's taste in dragon-hide formal wear for the first time, tilted her head. Grayson was holding Tiny Pearl by the scruff of her neck. She looked miserable, dripping with oil that made her white scales gleam wetly. Did you deliberately make them more flammable? Kurt demanded. Not at all, said Grayson. But the oil clips their wings, so to speak. That was why the babies couldn't get airborne? Kurt was going to kill him twice. I wouldn't hold her for long, he warned Grayson. Your jacket might be fireproof, but that's an awfully expensive pair of shoes you're about to lose. To flame or shit or both. I'll risk it, the old man said calmly. I've been experimenting. Did you know that baby dragons have a soft spot right at the base of their throat? He opened a flick knife with far too many jewels on its handle. Kurt went very, very still. Grayson called out and several henchmen in beautifully tailored suits shouldered their way into the room, armed and dangerous in bulk. Kurt knew a hundred different ways to kill them all but his tactical brain couldn't shape a scenario where Grayson didn't stab Tiny Pearl in the soft part of her throat. We're letting them take us, Inga breathed, aren't we? Yup, said Kurt. Sorry. They hadn't let anyone take them captive in years. It was a professional embarrassment. You're lucky I love you, said Inga, and put down her suitcase. Yep, Kurt said again. There was a long pause, as no one was quite willing to approach them. How do we do this again? Kurt asked finally. Inga sighed. I don't even remember. Throw down your weapons, barked Grayson. Kurt and Inga both considered this. All of them? said Kurt. Thank you for listening to Sheep Might Fly. Uh, we have two more instalments to go of uh, Echo and Narcissus before we start the great epic Musketeer Space podcast. Uh, you can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR or at Sheep Might Fly. Find me on Facebook at TansyRR Books. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of cool rewards 
early ebooks and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. The school holidays have slowed me down slightly, but my plan is for the Echo and Narcissus ebook to come out to Patreon subscribers this week. I am making no promises, but I'm going to try really, really hard. Uh, And I'll see you next week for the penultimate episode of Echo and Narcissus. See you then. Thank you.